So before we start, introduce uh, yourself and how you're going to know this group. I'm Desmond, and yeah, basically, I've been asking to come. After a few times. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Introduce yourself before. No, first time. Here. Come, tell us your name. Uh, Sui Ling. Yeah. So, my name is Sui Ling. Uh, this morning I came from India, so I decided to come here. Ah, welcome, welcome. Okay. So, was it because you saw the poster? Yes. Uh, the poster captured your interest. Yes. So do you know who come out the poster? <laughs> not me, not me. Who are? Come out the poster? Sean. Yeah, Sean. Yeah. You like the poster? Yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Besides Yuling and who else is here for the first time? I think uh, they, are, they are having different time zone behind us. So the sun hasn't risen yet. Uh, how come we don't turn on the lights behind? Uh, are we on the budget? <laughs> uh, yeah. We have no second class citizen here, okay. The middle row lights are still not on. I think the middle row lights are here. No, that is the front. No. Very quickly, just duplicate it. Uh, yes, okay, very good. So let me see. Uh, today, uh, we will go from the Far right, far right, I'll introduce. Uh, if I move to your, ah, okay. That the lady behind, I think, what's your name? Have you introduced, have you been here before? The, the lady with a yellow mask, colorful mask. Hello, good afternoon to everybody. Mm, I'm really first time here. Uh, My daughter beside me brought me here. Uh, yes. Hello, daughter. Hello, Shifu. Hello. <laughs> What's your name? I'm Esther. Esther. It's my second time here. Uh, have you introduced before? Uh, the first time many years back, yes. <laughs> okay, and we introduce again. Uh, I'm Esther, and then uh, it's my second time here. And, uh, very good. Welcome, welcome. Then uh, let me see this side. Uh, well, uh, yeah, this is my first time. My sister brought me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Richard. Oh, I see. So we brought our family here. Very good. 
Welcome, welcome. Next time, maybe we should stagger the seat a bit. Wow, this is a perfect row. I cannot see anyone behind. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, Lin Toy, have you introduced? You have a. Have you introduced here before? Uh, have uh, uh, okay, okay. Don't worry, don't worry. Yeah. At most, we ask you to introduce again. <laughs> Uh, I think that's Casey. Hello. Uh, okay, I think everybody is accounted for. Some of them are like keeping very still. They are hiding behind the shadow, the silhouette. <laughs> so welcome, welcome to SGC, where we have uh, short puja, short meditation, and. Uh, Sometimes long, sometimes short dharma sharing. Yeah, so uh, for those who are new, you'll find that we have combination of the the, the Pali chanting and then also the Chinese chanting. Yeah, this is to cater for the uh, younger generation who are more English speaking. And at the same time, not to lose touch with the, uh, the, the, the Chinese Mahana lineage. Yeah. So today's topic, Hmm. Today's topic is interesting. The face of freedom. In the Udana Sutta, uh, in the Udana uh, collection, Sutta 56, there's a verse. Uh, Udana is kind of translated as the utterances. Yeah. So the uh, in the Buddha's time, uh, oftentimes when the uh, and the disciples, they attain enlightenment, uh, then they may make, make an utterance, yeah? basically exclaim certain verse, uh, something that struck them. So in this verse, uh, if I don't recall wrongly, uh, it goes that, uh, that liberation, uh, nirvana, uh, is like the great ocean that has all but one taste, the taste of liberation, the taste of freedom. So, uh, freedom. You all want freedom? Of course, huh? I, don't, I think I don't need to ask you to say yes. Yeah, you all love freedom. Uh, but what is freedom? What is freedom? Uh, I think, especially in today's society, is something that is so... Uh, so valued, but then when you when you look at look at the news, when you look at the uh, social media, you find that uh, different people value uh, freedom differently, or perhaps you can say that they look at uh, freedom differently. That what is freedom to one person um, may not be freedom to another. Some people look at freedom as the freedom to, to say what you want. Yeah? And we call it collectively as freedom of speech. Then there are those who look at freedom in terms of what they can do. Yeah? Freedom of your actions. Uh, but this itself can be a whole range, including there are those who 
in some countries, yeah, uh, they would extend to freedom of expression. So uh, they are they feel like they should have a right to, to spray paint your car, perhaps uh, uh, spray paint some public building. Uh, in some extreme cases, then we see people. Uh, well, in Singapore, it's considered extreme. Huh? To go to the streets, yeah, with banners, slogans, and uh, chanting uh, mottos and slogans. Uh, maybe even um, blocking traffic, barricading um, areas. Uh, we can see that all over, over the world. Yeah, in the past few years. In fact, it's not just the past few years. Uh, since a long time. Yeah, since a long time. Uh, so, but in Singapore, it's a bit different. Yeah. In Singapore, do we have that freedom to, to protest? We have, yeah. Uh, yes, we have to apply for it. Singapore, we, are, we, are, we pride ourselves as a very organized country. We are very civilized. So whatever you want to do, we go through proper channel. If you want to protest, yes, you can. You must uh, apply for a permit. I, I think for a long time, it was a bit of a, a bit of a curiosity. Huh? But I think in the past two years, like in 2019, in the nearby country, there was massive uh, like chaos for months. Uh, I don't know about you, but for me, that was a bit of a turning point for my appreciation of the way we do things. Suddenly, it makes a lot of sense why you should apply for permit to protest, you know. And, and because of that, I, I research a, did a bit of Google research and I found that actually a lot of countries, including Western countries, do require you to apply for a police permit. Yeah, that it must be approved. Singapore is not the only one, you know. Yeah. We, we, we used to think that uh, Singapore we come, we have all kinds of interesting rules, right? yeah, but it is there for a reason. Yeah. Uh, but we're not here to talk about policy, okay? Case anyone who is online. <laughs> uh, just to go through the different kinds of ideas of freedom. What other kind of freedoms uh, do we talk about? Do we hear people talking about? How about freedom to not work? I, I don't mean go on strike, huh? I mean take MC. <laughs> Do you have freedom not to go to work? Yes, you have the freedom to not to go to work. Your boss has the freedom to fire you. That's why it's not called slavery. Yeah. <laughs> what else? How about students? Do you have the freedom not to go to school? No, uh, the mother police will come after you. Before the school come after you, you'll be apprehended by the mother police. Uh, how about freedom of thought? The freedom to think, to have different kind of view, different viewpoints. Um, I think in Singapore, by and large, we, we do have all these freedoms. Yeah. Uh, there were times in history where in some countries, if you have certain, certain 
way of thinking uh, and it's made public. When we say make public, it doesn't mean that you, you actually publicize it. The fact that you have such an idea and it is known to some people, uh, it can get you into some hot soup. Uh. And we're not talking about Asia, we're talking about uh, Europe, Europe itself. Yeah. Uh, those were dark times. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's, I think it's, that's why it's called the dark ages. Huh? During that period, uh, certain kind of thinking can get, land you into the cons. And that's the, the longer end of the stick. Yeah. You might just be, um, uh, you might find yourself in some dungeon or some stick. Uh, human history has been wrought with this. And perhaps that's why we are so fascinated with freedom. But freedom is also <clears throat> uh, about something else that is perhaps close to heart in Buddhism. Freedom is also about ego, about the self, uh, about agency, uh, the right, as we would, some would put it, the right for the individual to express ourselves in whatever we wish, you know, whatever ways or means we wish. So if you distill it down, it's basically the agency of the self. You know, that I have free will and I have the right to do, say, or think in whatever ways I want. How does that then um, contrast with the teaching of no self in Buddhism? For if there's no self, then what freedom is there? What true freedom is there? And by extension, does it mean that we don't have free will? How is free will related to freedom? In a sense, we can say that uh, we have free will. And if we just for now assume that we have free will, freedom would be the ability to express that view. Yeah. And the lack of freedom would be uh, an imposition uh, an external imposition, perhaps, yeah, that restricts that expression of free will. But in Buddhism, we say that, um, no, actually, we, I shouldn't say we say that. Because in Buddhism, we seldom uh, tell people how it is. We invite people to go and investigate. So think about it. Did you all come here freely? Maybe not. <laughs> but but in a way he, he still comes freely, right? Did you did you like hold him at nine points? Have a pay. So what what are the paid agents? <laughs> so even even in cases where we have children that is being coerced into coming to temple, I think over here we don't have a yeah, how, how about the, the two of you? Are you all being coerced here? Yeah? <laughs> I see her. I see her. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. La. At least over here, there's aircon. Huh? <laughs> this is called the gentle cohesion. <laughs> so, uh, even then, yeah, even then. Uh, at some point, we do have to make a choice, right? Uh, of course, barring cases where you are literally at ninth point. 
But even at nine point, uh, does it count as freedom, free will or not? Think about it. Uh. Because many times we do certain things and then we may say, oh, I was, you know, my hand was like tight. Yeah. I'm forced to do this, I'm forced to do that. So, so much, all the different grades of freedom and the lack thereof. If you have a choice, how many of you would choose freedom? That took a bit of hesitation. <laughs> how many of you would rather not have freedom? Not many. In fact, none. I guess that's why there's only one monk here and so many lay people. <laughs> look at you and look at me. I don't have the freedom to wear whatever clothes I want, right? Uh, every day is more or less the same. Uh, in a way, I have a bit more freedom than others. I sometimes wear the other the rooms. <laughs> Some would say, no, you're not supposed to wear any oxygen. <laughs> By my mom, like all, all, all these, these rooms. Huh? You all have freedom to wear what you want, right? So that's one kind of freedom. Imagine if now we say, you must wear the same thing. Right? In school, you have to wear the same thing, right? I mean, not exactly the same, uh, but something that looks the same. Imagine if all of you wear the same shirt, all fit into the same shirt. I mean, the idea of same, you know, it's not exactly the same. So think about it. That's a form of freedom. You all had lunch just now. You don't get to choose what you want to eat. That's another form of freedom. Yeah. And these are freedoms that we exercise every single day. You choose what to wear, to eat what you want to eat. Um, now the question is, uh, do you choose to wear what you like to wear? Or do you choose to wear what you don't like to wear? Besides our, our young children who are currently in a stage where they experience a kind of oppression from our public school where they have to wear uniform and don't have the freedom of expression Huh? So every day when you choose, like today when you come here and you choose to wear what you wear, uh, was it something of your liking? Or at least is it something that is not of your disliking? Yeah, probably not, right? Yeah. Probably not something you don't like. A uh, mask, okay? maybe mask, okay, mask. Yeah. And even for mask, you notice there are different masks. The other day, I was told by a, by a student that uh, she received, she, she likes to wear a certain mask and she says that it's very comfortable. And then suddenly it struck me, I was like, hey, by the way, you know the government issued masks, those are certified. They do test, they, you know, they carry out tests and then they do sample of the production to make sure that every batch uh, fulfill certain criteria where if they were to um, 
you have a controlled nozzle and they you know emit a burst uh, it should only uh, it doesn't block 100% of course it should block a certain percentage and it should not travel beyond a certain distance and so on uh, the, the process of uh, creating aerosol of the moisture should not uh, exceed a certain percentage and so on uh, the same goes for all, all those uh, surgical masks certified masks and then <laughs> I was like hey how about the one that is homemade type of so I was like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, are the masks that you are wearing, is it? Oh, no, I don't, don't, don't look anywhere. I, I, don't, I don't say who are. <laughs> so suddenly I'm like, oh no, are these masks satisfied? <laughs> then she was like, no, but super very comfortable. No, it's comfortable. <laughs> but the purpose of wearing the mask is not to be comfortable, it's for protection. You know, the most comfortable is mask, maskless, right? Yeah, but uh, we made certain constraint and confinement confines uh, for the sake of survival. Yeah, uh, we give up some freedom. So, so it's a trade off, right? It's a trade off. So the question is, when you choose to come and then you choose the different kind of mask, both for protection and for comfort. You choose the clothes that you wear. Um, in some cases, for comfort as well. In some cases, for your own preference. Preference beyond comfort, but because you like a certain color, for example, maybe it attenuates your figure, yeah, or hides your figure. Sometimes it's to attenuate. Sometimes it's to hide. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> and this. But despite doing all that, uh, does it give us certainty in our happiness? Does it assure us that we will feel a certain way? For sure, when you when you choose certain clothing, you are not intending that you wear it to look stupid, right? To feel stupid. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Don't raise your hand. Yeah, but maybe you need to see me after this. <laughs> but inevitably, sometimes despite putting in our best effort to wear this, to put on that, yeah, to choose that specific color that you know provides that contrast with your complexion, you know, not too not too dark, not too bright, give, give enough of the reverse lighting, but not too strong so that you know your skin color don't fade into oblivion yeah you choose that particular shade of glasses so that it draws attention but doesn't hide your features we do all that but doesn't guarantee that we will feel good does it give us the freedom to feel good Many years ago, in one of, the, I think, possibly one of the first Dharma class I conducted at SBF, the topic was freedom as well. Yeah. So that day when I saw this topic, I was like, huh. In Buddhism, we talk about a different kind of freedom. Talk about inner freedom. 
the freedom to be happy, the freedom to be free from greed, hatred, and delusion, the freedom from jealousy, from anxiety. As we pursue external freedom, the freedom to do this, to do that, when that freedom is curbed, is curtailed, do we then automatically feel agitated? If it is a deterministic relationship whereby you don't get to do what you want, then you must feel a certain way. That means the latter is beyond your control. That means you have no control over your emotions. That means you have lost your freedom of, your, of how you want to think. And to me, that is perhaps more important, right? Because after all, to get to do what you want to do is, in most cases, to be happy, right? But if you ultimately lose the freedom of happiness, then what point all other kind of freedoms? So sometimes when we see people fighting for something, we may at the onset feel like, why are they doing that? But there's a reason why people do that, right? Even going up in arms in rage, uh, we may not agree with it, but they are not stupid. <laughs> Nobody is stupid. Maybe sometimes. <laughs> but it's because of a view, a belief that by doing that, they will have more freedom, the freedom to be happy. So the Buddhism kind of short circuit the process. The Buddha kind of just say, hey, you know what? Let's just cut straight to the chase. You want happiness? Well, deal with that. So there are so many cases where I sit down and have conversation with people. I remember in 2003, before I came back, I was having this uh, one-month retreat, solitude retreat, and there was this uh, American uh, lad, uh, Colin Donahue. So he, yeah, he, he came out of the monastery a few times, and then when he knew that I was on a retreat, he visited me a couple of times. And it was around then, around then that um, uh, there was the Iraqi war, right, the second one. And then he shared with me his, his, uh, his passion for justice and he felt compelled to do something. So I asked him, I said, hey, what if I have a magic wand that I can just say, and then, you know, snap my fingers, if you will. And then um, George Bush will be gone. Not, not Dana, but just not the president. I'm not, you know, killing people. Yeah. I get, I, it's, it's just a thought experiment, right? Because it's like, oh, you know, he's an American. And he, he, he's saying, like, you know, the, the, the then president, how can he be waging such war and there's so much injustice? So I asked him, like, so if we were to somehow be able to remove him, does it solve the problem? Because the, the, the end, to, to what end you see, if you, if you want to campaign against it, then to what end? You know, one possible end is to move the president, right? Yeah. 
And for the record, if anyone from US watching this, this is not excitement of insurrection or anything. <laughs> this was a thought experiment back in 2003. In no way suggests any incursion. <laughs> yeah. And then I told him, I said, you know, the trouble with this kind of approach is you never know who is going to come up next, you know. It might be worse. <laughs> yeah. You remove one, one dictator, the next one is probably fiercer. <laughs> Otherwise, how did he come up? <laughs> and then I asked him, I said, do you think there's injustice in the US? And he thought about it and said, well, I guess so. So I told him, I said, within a radius of, let's say, five miles, can you do you, do you think you are able to ensure that there are no injustice within a five mile radius? And he looked at me and he's like, oh, that's kind of tricky, isn't it? <laughs> like, a bit difficult, right? And I said, yeah. So what makes you think you are able to solve the injustice a few thousand miles away in Middle East? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that we, we should just turn a blind eye to everything in the world because it's too far and nothing to do with us and, and think that it has nothing to do with us. Yeah. But the, the crux of the discussion is to get him to realize that um, perhaps we should start with ourselves, with where we are. And the discussion came back to this same point yeah, about how um, if, if you don't get to where you want to be, the end goal, then you still have that freedom to feel the way you want to feel. Because in, especially in US, right? There's, there's this huge preoccupation with uh, having freedom. Or at least they, they pride themselves as the champions of freedom. Some would say, Freedom for themselves. <laughs> I don't know. So, what freedom do you all cherish? Inner or outer freedom? If you cherish outer freedom, that's okay. No crime and shame in that. And sometimes it's good actually to at least know that that's what you cherish. But know that if that's all you cherish, you may find yourself on a wild goose chase. That is an is a endless goal. Yeah, because all it takes is someone to tweak a bit and then boom. And even when you arrive at your goal, then what? And much more the process itself. Last I checked, it's, it's never easy. So, but if you do cherish external freedom, uh, perhaps it's good to also keep in mind internal freedom. In Buddhism, uh, if you look at all the different practices, it points towards having the inner stability. To be able to reach the point in Chinese, we will say, Guru <laughs> 
when we first hear this phrase ruru putong it seems like you know i am a robot <laughs> i have attained arahanthood nothing touches me <laughs> yeah but it's not meant to be that way yeah uh, it it simply means that our expectation is in line with reality and that's why for the arahants for the buddhas regardless of whatever happens it is within their expectation and that's why their inner peace is not disturbed whatever happens they can see clearly how and why it should happen there's no surprises in that sense i guess that's that's a big no no for those who like surprises yeah i know of some students who love surprises and who is shifu i got something for you it's a surprise <laughs> and i'm like by now you should know i'm not into surprises <laughs> but can you just tell me what you what you intend to get from me yeah, <laughs> yeah. I may not be that enlightened yet, but I'm not into surprises. So for those of you who like surprises, be forewarned. Continuing on this path can be a surprise for you that you may not like. A final surprise that nothing else is a surprise. So, uh, what are the kind of freedoms you like? Uh, ask your questions. Now you have the freedom to ask. Today is the last week of the month. Uh, I like to devote some of the time for you to ask questions. Uh, if there's one freedom besides inner freedom that is uh, heralded in Buddhism, that is the freedom to ask questions. And there I say so, even the freedom to doubt. Um, who shall be the first question to ask? Oh, yes, we have Marcel, the first contender. And Shifu, what about uh, financial freedom? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I recently saw some video. Shifu is quite in touch, you know. There's something called FIRE. You know what is FIRE? Financial independence, uh, retire early. <laughs> right, right. I remember the acronym correctly, right? Yeah. Have you heard of this before? Uh, financial independence is passe already. Now is on top of that, retire early. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> there are a few ways to do it. The the approach that is being uh like that is being introduced is. Basically, you spend between 10 to 13, 15 years, uh, work as hard as you can, spend as little as you can, save and invest as much as you can. And then by the time you come to 13 to 15 years, you can retire with like a good, uh, you know, six, 600, 800K or something. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> let me while I say this first, let me put this aside. What is financial independence? What does it mean to you all? You know what my Sushyong once said? He said, I don't need money. 
I just need to be able to uh, have the things I want. That's why he's so young, you know. In case, in case he's watching, uh, this is Sita Master. Not very wise, huh? Yeah. Meanwhile, we are chasing after money, yeah. Huh? Everybody chasing after money. Forget. The important thing is to be able to spend it, you know. Uh, what you want, you're able to get it. Okay. Because otherwise, why have money? Right? Financial independence is actually about that. So that you are able to, you know, get what you want. Which oh, brings us back to the first noble truth. Number seven, not getting what you want is suffering. <laughs> oh, Buddha is so wise. <laughs> the lack of financial independence is suffering. <clears throat> but, but on a, on a more, uh, can I use the word judiciary uh, note? The Buddha did um, share on how to uh, take care of our finances. The famous or split into four parts, one part for your work, one part for usage, one part for saving, one part to, for charity. But that is very well known. But do you know that the Buddha also said something that we have known for the longest time? Uh, to make sure that your income exceeds your outcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Buddha actually said that. Yeah. In other words, don't spend more than you earn. I mean, this is one of the simplest uh, advice for financial independence, you know. Yeah, but yet, especially I heard, I don't know, okay, I heard, for the younger generation, it seems like, oh, so impossible, you know. Huh? You see, some of them. <laughs> huh? Yeah, it's, it's that simple. <clears throat> But having said that, I still want to highlight a few things. Uh, many years back, I have this friend, um, a close friend. And while we were chatting, um, the topic of housing came about. Not, not housing for the two of us, we were not at that stage. <laughs> uh, but we're talking about how housing in terms of our parents' houses. And I just very openly said, oh, you know, uh, like my, my parents, they are clearing the bank loan and stuff. And then she looked at me like, as though like that's, that's some amazing news from Mars or what. He's, she's like, really? My dad cleared his house loan like, I don't know, 10 over years ago. I'm like, okay. And she said like, her dad basically cleared in 15 years, there about. Yeah. And and then he, she was extolling to me how like every single cent thereafter that he earned is his to keep. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, of course, your dad is an engineer. Your mom is, I think, an accountant or something. My dad is a, you know, quite a different grade. Huh? My dad would, well, we would wish to do that, clear everything in 15 years, but he couldn't, right? <clears throat> but it got me thinking. Yeah, it got me thinking. Uh, because later on, I heard about how long <clears throat> bank loans, housing loans can be. Uh, I heard there are those who take 25 years, 30 years. And it got me thinking that with that at the back of your mind, 
Uh, that is an unspoken source of stress. It's a stressor. And it's, it's a very dangerous stressor because it is not in your face. It is just creep. Just this little guy sitting at the back of your neck, you know, and then going like, you have a bank loan. <laughs> you know? And then when you're at work and your boss gives you a lot of shit and you, oh, you want to show it? You have a bank loan. <laughs> your boss asks you to do something unethical, you're like, my prick, you have a bank loan. <laughs> Yeah, and, and basically your hands are tied, you know, and, and because of that, people feel unhappy. And the worst thing is, you don't know why, but you just kind of, yeah, you, you, you have, your choice becomes so limited. Yeah. And guess what? One day you are, you are stressed, two days you are stressed. When it's five years, 10 years, it becomes resentment. You, you start to resent your life. But you don't realize that it's because of that choice to get a house where you have to pay for 30 years. And then guess what? People will then extend that resentment to, to those who are benefiting from that house. It's because of your <laughs> Remember that time? You want a new house, right? Now we are stuck. <laughs> you start to extend that resentment all over. And the, and the worst thing is, those are usually our close families. You know, our loved ones. So for the longest time, thank you for asking about financial independence. For the longest time, whenever I go to university to give talks, I will somehow squeeze this in. And I will tell them, like, no matter what the topic is, you know, meditation, I will squeeze this in. <laughs> because I feel that this is my, is my responsibility. And to me, Chances are most will not attend Arhan in this life, right? I mean, whoever is watching, you think you're going to attend Arhan over next Wednesday? <laughs> you're going to, you think you're going to attend Anagami? <laughs> but at least, at least don't get stressed over how we go. So I, I've been telling young undergrads, most of you will be getting married. Yeah. Please do yourself a favor. Live within your means. Please don't, you know, get all excited. And then because you hear your, your friends who work in the bank got 12 months bonus, whatever, and then like just come out to work or your senior come out to work for three to four years and then got this beautiful house, whatever, and then drive this um, whatever car. And then you feel like you feel compared with us do that. And then you sign up for this super loan. I know of this friend, her, not her, but her sister. They have this, I think, four or five room flat. I mean, four room flat is nothing to be ashamed of, you know. You check around the whole of Asia, our four room flats is big. Like, if you think about it, right, in Singapore, where if you get to choose between four or five rooms and both are within our means, some would say, yeah, why not a five room, right? Not that we look down on four room. I, I mean, I was pretty happy in the four room flat for the longest time. But you ask practically anyone in Asia to come to Singapore, look at our four room flat, they'll be like, ooh, yeah, this is, this is pretty good, awesome. But 
that friend's sister, they had a four or five room flat that's fully paid. And then guess what they did? They sold it off, got a condo for 1.8 million in Orchard. For 99 years. <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, why? <laughs> because it, it basically means that instead of just living a stress-free life, they just suddenly sign up with the bank and say, hey, I will work for you for free. In fact, I'm going to work. I'm going to become the, the, the profit center for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mind-boggling. So for the longest time I've been doing, uh, I consider that a public service. <laughs> Every time I go to university to give talks, I'll like squeeze this message in. Please, please, please. I don't know why is the what is a good average um, like loan duration. Uh, if you if you squeeze it too tight, then you, you it can be stressful also. Yeah. I don't have a magic number, but what I do know is that. Most people don't need to stay in a condo. I know that no, most people don't need a five-room flat. So I was really happy when I heard, uh, when I bumped into these um, two students years back, and they told me that they are downgrading from four-room to three-room, when practically everybody I meet uh, and I hear of uh, that they are changing houses, they are upgrading. Singapore is, you know, in Singapore, we were like, it's a, it's a culture, a brick culture, you know. We are our handphone, a our cars, our house, our wives, our husbands. <laughs> yeah. right. Everything we must upgrade. Just our parents, we can't upgrade them. <laughs> yeah. Parents, we downgrade, we send them to the homes. <laughs> we outsource, we outsource them. So sad, huh? Yeah, don't worry, don't even <laughs> Steady, steady. You're here to stay. Life, lifetime honorary member. Yeah, so that, that couple told me that they're downgrading. I was like, wow, nice. I can imagine that when they share that with their friends and family, most would be like, why? What happened? Are you, you know, you need some help? I'm, I'm, I think I'm probably one of the first to congratulate that. Yeah, two thumbs up. Because seriously, like if you're, even if you're newly married, if you don't intend to have kids, like why have so many rooms? But it's your choice, okay? If you have, you have the capacity, the ability to have a four room, five room, I don't care how many rooms you want, but if you can afford it, why not? That's your choice. Yeah, but if you're going to have to take a 30-year loan where every month you have to scream and, you know, then, of course. Because at that point in time, they didn't intend to have kids yet. <clears throat> a few years ago, which is some years later, I bumped into the husband in the airport. And then she, he, he told me that uh, the good news that uh, his wife is expecting so they are upgrading. <laughs> they are getting a new house. I said, okay, good, good choice. 
It doesn't mean that staying in a small house is always a good choice. Uh, it doesn't mean that getting a bigger one is always a bad choice. It's about whether you have financial freedom. Uh, I don't know how you all make your money. Uh, you want money? Ryan, you want money? <laughs> it's like, uh, is that a trick question? <laughs> financial independence. One way to have financial independence is yeah, uh, becoming a monk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just don't bother with money, then you're you are free of it. You know? When I first came back, my mom asked me, you don't accept Ang Pao, how are you going to survive? I said, like, what do you mean? Then she's like, then, like if you fall sick, then I'm like, well, I'm okay. In future, when I grow, what about if you grow, fall sick, now? Then I thought about it, and I'm like, if by the time I grow old and I'm fall sick, and for some reason nobody wants to take care of me, uh, then I, I accept it. <laughs> <laughs> I must have done no service to anybody. <laughs> you see, uh, oh, this guy falls sick. Uh, my Today, I think most people have some kind of loan. Yeah. Uh, whether it's car loan, house loan, uh, bank loan, or credit card bills. Yeah. Uh, to some extent today, using a credit card is just a norm, right? It's just a means to payment. Yeah. Uh, but honest to heart, there was one day, I think I was staying in the library at a point in time, that one day I, I suddenly just it just suddenly struck me that, oh, for the longest time, I'm actually debt-free. Yeah, because I, yeah, literally because I, I left the, the secular world, the secular life, and I stopped thinking about money. So, and, but it also means that you have to stop um, having ideas about pursuing material pursuits. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I was like, yeah, so I have, I've been debt free since. Yeah. But in case if anybody is considering it, you must know that uh, you need. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you won't go hungry. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, if if you if you take on the ropes, you won't go hungry, but you won't strike it big also. Uh. <laughs> if you want to strike big, strike it big, easier to stay where you are and work harder. Uh, I don't know whether I answer your question. <laughs> Any other question? 
I'll chit chat. Anybody want to chit chat with me? <clears throat> Some of you are now calling up your agent to do refinancing. I heard that the, the interests are going all over the place. Good time to refinance. This month, know too much about the world. <laughs> Any other question? I know you all better now. When we let you ask questions, you want to ask. Then after that, come over. I actually know my question. <laughs> Every time, you know, after class, for sure, you know, for sure, after class, then, you know, come over. And then, actually, I wanted to ask. Actually, actually, I want to ask a question. <laughs> so, do you have any practical advice on? eliminating or diminishing all these attachments to external freedoms that you mentioned? Ah, practical freedom, uh, practical advice. Uh, my advice are all practical. <laughs> Attainable kind of advice. <laughs> yeah, they are all practical whether you can do it or not. That's a different question. Uh, so that's, that's a good question, actually. Uh, in, in return, I will ask you, can you give, give me some hypothetical but actual uh, freedom that uh, might be important, not to you, but to somebody? Then I can give a more direct, practical suggestion. I think somewhere along the lines of minimizing expectations on things. That is how you actually get freedom. Wait, you are giving the answer. Nice That's kind of the answer, not the question. <laughs> You're supposed to give me a question, not give me an answer. <laughs> okay, but I, I, I get what you mean. Uh, that's one approach yeah, to calibrate our expectation. Uh, I always like to look at Young people, uh, yeah. Like, what, what is one freedom you like? Like, imagine that your mom is not here, uh. Imagine, yeah. But of course, we know that she's here. And whatever you say may be used against you <laughs> when you're back at home. <laughs> may and will be used. <laughs> so, what is the kind of freedom you want? Like, let's say, freedom to sleep at whatever time you want. Maybe. Uh, freedom to use your phone whenever you want. How about that? Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, answer carefully because she's actually there. <laughs> uh, we all want that, right? Yeah. Basically to do as we please. You'll be surprised to know that your mom also wants to do that. She will love to just sleep when she wants to sleep and wake up only when she wants to. You think she's enjoying working at five plus in the morning? Like she has a choice to think if she wants to wake up at nine or ten, you know, sleep in. If she has a choice, you think she'd want to just watch Netflix the whole night and then morning wake up, high back, and then like order in and just yeah, she she would love to do that. 
of course not everybody but i think uh, it's not just children adults just want to do that but why don't she do that why don't she do that because while she values being able to do as she pleases, she values even more the consequences of doing or not doing as she pleases. She values the fact that if she were to do that, then she might not be able to provide you to give you the freedom that you currently have. And to assure some level, some possibility of freedom that you will have in future. Why did I add in possibility? It is because despite giving up all her freedom in those areas, in various areas, those are just two things I mentioned. That even as she gave up all that freedom, she cannot guarantee that in future, your life will be like this or like that. She can only increase the possibility. <clears throat> and even though it's just an increase in possibility, she's willing to give up her freedom. That's mother's love for you. <laughs> Didn't know that it's going to turn that way, did you? <laughs> But it's true, yeah. Because there was one time I, I, I thought about how my parents, your akong ama, is very boring. Then one day, you know, I'm a person who think a lot, even when I was a kid. And one day I was like, how come, huh, the mom, how come they don't have any hobby one? Huh? Yeah. How come they're always at home or they don't go out? <laughs> it's actually because they gave up that freedom to pursue their hobby. They make a choice. Actually, they do have the freedom, except that they don't indulge in that freedom the way we usually think of freedom. When we think of freedom, we usually think of it as to just do according to our desire. But individuals like our parents, uh, they, they make use of that freedom not to fulfill their own desire, but to give us a chance to have that choice of freedom. So you have a freedom also. You have the freedom to rebel against them. You have the freedom to wait until they go to sleep and then secretly take out your phone and then check. You have the freedom to sneak a game or two while they're not looking. And as long as it's within a certain threshold where it doesn't affect your schoolwork, yeah, it seems, seems like uh, no big deal. And, and for the most part, it's okay. But in due time, um, perhaps you will one day 
uh, come to a point in your life, a turning point, if you will, where you realize that your personal freedom is not everything in the world that matters. You'll come to a point where you care enough about another person, you're willing to give up your personal freedom. And to me, that is the greatest choice of freedom that you will make in your life. So what choice will you make with that freedom that you have? Will you just choose with that freedom to fulfill your own desires, your whims and fancy? Or will you look around you and say, for this person, for that person that I care for, yeah, I give up my freedom. Thank you for giving up your freedom. <laughs>